This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm Rylan Styles. You can find me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. So on today's show, what we're going to be doing is talking about Chiefs news from the last week and doing a college football preview. And a college football preview that's going to expand throughout everything from top games to watch, upsets that could happen, dark horse conference winners, regular conference winners who I think is actually going to win the, the conference, uh, college football playoff prediction, Heisman prediction, uh, and then at the end, we're going to talk about the best players to watch and who are draft eligible. So obviously, if there's some great freshman like maybe Bo Nix at Auburn, their quarterback's a true freshman, he's not going to be in that list because he's not draft eligible. So again, that's for like people who don't really care about college football but also want to watch it, say, this week when there's no NFL games or next week when there's no NFL games. And also watch the best talent. Who's going to get drafted? Uh, who's going to be, uh, you know, someone to watch for that could impact the Chiefs? Because some people don't care about college football, and other people do. So I feel like this episode, when there's not a lot of Chiefs news coming out, would be a beneficial one. No matter if you love college football or if you don't, and you just want to hear about uh, who I think could be an impact for the Chiefs. So we'll go through each position later on. But first, we have Chiefs news. It's not that much news, but we do have some. Uh, The first one is Marcus Kemp is out for the season. You could kind of tell this uh, on Saturday after the game, uh, early, you know, after he got hurt in the game. You could kind of tell it looked really bad. Uh, He tore his ACL and MCL. He's out for the year. That's just unfortunate for him. I mean, that's really unfortunate for him because I think he would have made this roster. I think that he would have contributed on this roster, and now he's got to go through that just terribly long rehab, um, you know, you know how you get back from ACL and MCL, terribly long rehab assignments and just uh, grueling, grueling rehab. I think that this does, though, open up a roster spot for uh, Cody Thompson. That was my initial reaction to this news. Uh, Cody Thompson played well Saturday. Uh, He's played well all preseason, and by all reports, he's played well at training camp. I don't know that to be fact because I've never been to training camp, but but just from what 
you read from the people who've been at training camp, they say he's performed very well. So I think Cody Thompson is going to make this roster, but also the Chiefs brought in a wide receiver of their own in DeAnthony Thomas. Everyone in Kansas City who's listening to a Chiefs podcast right now has heard of this guy. I mean, everyone has. If, if, you're, if you've sought out a Chiefs podcast, then you know about DeAnthony Thomas. He's fast. He's quick. Uh, but also, he's a pretty good receiver. I mean, he's not just a gadget guy. He's going to be a, a huge special teams contributor, I think. I think that he's going to be a kick returner. Uh, he might even be a punt returner if they want to kind of save Terry Kill. Although, I would keep Terry Kill punt returner if I'm the coach. You know, if I'm Andy Reid, if I'm Dave Tobe, because just the fact that he's back there, even if you want to kick away from him, even if you want to, ki- even if you want to uh, kick it out of bounds, you could shank it just just by the threat of him being there. So I'd keep him back at punt returner. But I think that's your kick returner, and for good reason. Hopefully, he stills the speed from his injuries, obviously. Uh, but again, Marcus Kemp would have been a nice contributor. He is not going to make or break this season. Anthony Thomas could be a nice contributor. He's not going to make or break this season. And the same goes for Jeff Allen, who the Chiefs also signed in the last week. I like the move. Not going to complain about the move. I'm also not going to overly praise the move until we see how it pans out. Because right now, the way I view Jeff Allen is that, okay, he's nice. He's a nice piece. He's a a nice depth piece. I don't see anything more than that, to be honest with you. Uh, Some other news. Patrick Mahomes is in a Head & Shoulders commercial which is pretty funny. I mean, it's him and Troy Palomalu, who, if you've watched football for a long time, you know that Troy Palomalu was like the face of head and shoulders for a long time, and pretty much every football game, you'd see that same ad of him six times in the same football game. Uh, but this one was really well done. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and also, he's in two Sunday ticket commercials. I'm going to buy Sunday ticket either way. The commercials don't really sway me. But it is it is fun to see your quarterback of your favorite team being on commercials and being on the spotlight and seeing the Chiefs, you know, on TV all the time, uh, seeing the Chiefs is one of the most recognizable brands now. I mean, it's really good for the city, good for the organization. It's just pretty awesome. So that's good. You should check out those commercials if you haven't, if you care about that kind of stuff. The most interesting note on this, and this is the last note on the Chiefs, sadly. So if you only listen for uh, six minutes or so, I understand. (laughs) The most interesting note on the Chiefs, I think, is that the broadcast crew has been announced. For the first two games, anyway. So, obviously, both these games are going to be on CBS because they're AFC versus AFC in both cases. Uh, The first game, week one at the Jaguars, is going to be broadcasted on CBS by Dan Fouts and Ian Eagle. The second game is going to be be broadcasted uh, by the A-team, Jim Nance and uh, Tony Romo. I find that interesting that the A-team, which, again, if you didn't know, the A-team for CBS is Jim Nance and Tony Romo. The A-team for Fox is Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Uh, Except for whenever Joe Buck does the World Series, then they have a new play-by-play man as the A-team. But anyway, uh, I find sports media interesting. I might be the only one. Uh, I'm in sports media, not necessarily in this podcast, although I do get paid to do this podcast. I'm in sports media heavily in other aspects, and so I do find sports media very interesting. And you can go to my Twitter and, and see my, uh, you know, what I do uh, involving sports media there at Ryland underscore Styles. But I find sports media and everything that goes into it almost as interesting as, you know, the actual sport on the field. So it's just these kind of things are interesting to me, and I wanted to tell you guys what you can expect 
week one and week two in terms of who's going to be calling your game. Because for a lot of fans, that is a big deal. I mean, look how many people hate Joe Buck now because he called the World Series. He loved on um, Madison Bumgarner. And now the entire city of Kansas City just wants to kill Joe Buck. Not literally, but, you know, don't want him broadcasting any games uh, that are important to their teams. I do find the pick week one interesting, though. And I get it that that Tony Romo and, and Nance are going to do a ton of Chiefs games this year. A ton. So I get it that they don't want to exhaust all their uh, time on every single game, obviously. In week one, CBS does not have the doubleheader. If you haven't caught on by now, Fox and CBS alternate games that they have doubleheaders. And what a doubleheader means is, although both networks do have two time slots of games, if you ever look, you'll see every week both both networks will have a, three, a 345 game or whatever time they come on Central Time. Uh, I can't remember right now. Yeah, or 325 game, excuse me. Both of them will have that time slot. Only one of them, though, will show that time slot nationally. And that's why after every pre, uh, pregame show at 11.59, they say if you're only getting a 3 o'clock game, come on back, we'll have more pregame shows. Uh, so that's why. So, so you only get one doubleheader uh, you know, every other week for these networks. The first week is going to be a Fox doubleheader, which I think they always get the doubleheader first. Uh, so that means that the A-team for CBS is not going to save their guys for the 3 o'clock kickoff. They're going to put their guys at noon. And at noon, on week one, it's the Chiefs and Jaguars on CBS, the Titans and Browns on CBS, the Ravens and Dolphins on CBS, uh, and also the Bills, Jets, and that is it because of how spread out the week is. You know, you got a Thursday game, you got a Monday game, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I would have picked the A crew to be at Chiefs-Jags, but I can understand the thinking behind it of, okay... The two most watched games are going to be Browns, Titans, and Chiefs, Jaguars. If you're going to watch CBS that night, you know, that day, you're going to pick one of those two games because no one besides, well, besides Grant Tuttle, who thinks that the Bills are going to win the division, and Bills fans and Jets fans are going to watch Bills-Jets whenever you could be watching the Chiefs or the Browns, two of the most tight teams this offseason, not to mention who Fox is throwing out there to compete with you at that time slot, which is the Rams-Panthers. Redskins-Eagles is not really that interesting. Uh, But Rams-Panthers is pretty interesting. uh, Falcons-Vikings is pretty interesting, uh, and so forth. So, I understand the thinking in the sense of Nance and Romo are going to do the Chiefs a lot. Let's put them on the Browns. Let's let's put the Browns um, and elevate that broadcast even more because um, they're going to have all this hype coming into it. I think the NFL world, even though they're playing the Titans, who aren't that good, is going to be tuning into the Browns to see how this unfolds. So I get it. I just kind of wish that they were on the Chiefs game, because I do like that pairing. I do think that they do a very good job. Uh, But again, you get them in week week two, when CBS does have the doubleheader. I'm interested that the doubleheader is going to be the Chiefs and Raiders, because I feel like you could have flexed a game, a better game than that, into the 3 o'clock time. But... They didn't, so that's how it goes, I guess. Um, anyway, enough about inside sports media stuff that pretty much no one cares about besides me. Uh, if you do enjoy sports media, though, you should hit me up on Twitter, and we can talk about it more. So, let's talk college football. Let's preview the sport that many of us love. If I could, I'd have an entire college football podcast, 
and maybe people will listen, but maybe not. So let's stick with the Chiefs podcast. Um, let's talk first about the top games of the year, because I get it. If your entire Sundays are devoted to the, you know the Chiefs, and possibly on some Thursdays and Mondays, obviously, are devoted to the Chiefs, not everyone can stay around all Saturday and watch college football every single week. So let's talk about the best games to watch, the 10 best games to watch this year. And I think that this is going to be a good barometer of what teams are good, because obviously you want the best matchups to watch. So an extra game, I'm going to put this at zero since it's week zero week. This Miami-Florida game on Saturday is going to be pretty interesting. A lot of the national media is saying that Florida is going to run away with this game. Florida is going to dominate this game. Uh, Miami has no chance. Florida's ranked 8. Miami's not ranked. I don't believe that. Now, I do believe Florida's going to win this game. I don't believe it's going to be a blowout. I don't believe it's going to be some terrible game to watch, and Florida's going to run away with it from start to finish and never look back. I don't believe that part of it. I think that both these teams have question marks. They both have shady offensive lines. They both have shady quarterback play. Now, Philip Franks is, is way more known than Jaron Williams, um, but Franks is very, very inconsistent. Very inconsistent. Uh, if that Miami offensive line can hold up, I think Williams is actually the better, the better quarterback. Now, we haven't seen him at the college level, but if you, uh, if you followed his entire career, uh, you know, leading up to his college career, he's a pretty good quarterback. I mean, he beat out Trevor Lawrence in... Um, 7-on-7, seven seven, I think, or is it was it the Elite 11? I don't remember which one it was. But both those guys are really good. So I'm interested in Week 0, uh, Florida and Miami, but it's not a top-10 game this year, so that's why I put it at 0. Uh, Hawaii and Arizona, I don't know if anyone's going to watch that Saturday. I will because I have Hawaii plus the 11, but that's a different conversation for a different day. So let's get into the actual top 10. Coming in at number 10 is LSU-Bama. Now, the name power in this matchup is extreme, obviously. It's LSU, it's Bama, it's two you know, top 10 teams, it's two teams fighting for the college football playoff, it's two SEC powerhouses, it's just brilliant. It's just a, a great, great football game on November 9th. That's what we always think going into the game, and that's why they're number 10. Because every year... We think, okay, LSU-Bama, let's do this. Let's get it going. Let's see the two powerhouses collide. Every year we think that, and then every year they play like a 10-3 to game where there's 15 turnovers, two first downs, and just terrible sloppy football who no one really wanted to watch. No one really wanted to watch that. But now you have Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa. You have two good offenses with two good defenses, instead of one team being lopsided on either side of the ball. I think it's going to be a really good game, but I can't trust it. It's kind of like, you know, a team who you can't bet on because you just haven't seen it before. You haven't seen them do it yet. But, like, in the NBA, the Raptors, you knew that they were, and I don't know if anyone heard my doorbell, but excuse that, that's an Amazon package because we live in 2019. But it's like if you follow the NBA, the Raptors couldn't be picked, even though they had Kawhi, because of the fact that, we hadn't seen them do it before. We didn't trust them. We were still shaded and jaded by the Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan era. 
So again, sorry for my dog going crazy. Amazon package at the door. Terrible timing. Thanks a lot, Amazon. Thanks a lot, uh, you know, Amazon. But anyway, so that's why I put them at 10, LSU-Bama. Number nine, Ohio State-Michigan on the last day of the college football season. It's, of course, rivalry week. It's, of course, November 20, uh, 20, uh, 30th. November 30th. Sorry about that. It's at the big house. Is this the year Michigan puts it all together? Is this the year that by that time Michigan is still trying to get to the college football playoff? Is still in the hunt for the college football playoff? Is this the year they're still in the hunt to go to Indianapolis? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that that Big Ten slate is rough. I mean, I think that the Big Ten has a ton of competition, and I think that, um, frankly, Ohio State's the better team. So even if they are in contention... I don't know how uh, you know. I don't know how lucky they'll be that week, but hosting your rival at home is always good. Are they going to be able to get past Michigan State, Penn State, Notre Dame unscathed? Probably not. You know, I don't think so. Leading up to that game, but despite that, it's a throw out the record book game. It's a game where whenever these two teams meet, it's going to be high energy. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's kind of the opposite of LSU Bama. You know when you settle into a, uh, uh, to a Michigan-Ohio State game, there's going to be something interesting that happens. Most of the time it's a score. Most of the time it's a back-and-forth game where you go into overtime and you see, um, who was it? Was it JT Barrett or was it uh, the other Ohio State quarterback, um, whose name I'm just completely blanking on now, uh, that was laying on the field with his arms spread out after an exhausting game? Uh, anyway. Most of the time, it's a high-powered game. Most of the time, uh, you know, sometimes you get the laughers where you can just make fun of either side if you're, you're, of course, not a fan of those two teams. So, again, that's number nine. Number eight, Georgia versus Florida in Jacksonville. I think this is going to be a really good game. I think that Florida, if they can get past Miami week one, which, again, you never know how – well, week zero, excuse me. If they can get past Miami week zero, which – They've had their heads filled all, all offseason about how they're going to dominate Miami. They're, you know, they're God's gift to college football, which is the same thing that happened to Miami last year, by the way, going into their LSU matchup. And then they got destroyed by LSU on week one. So that's going to be an interesting game again. But in terms of this game, if they get past Miami, let's say if they win, which I think that they will, I would pick Florida to win right now. In fact, I did put money on Florida. So I think they're going to win the game. They are going to get past Tennessee easily. Here's the trouble, though. In October, back-to-back weeks, they host Auburn and they travel to LSU. By the time they play Georgia, they could have two, maybe three losses. So they could be in that spoilers rule. If they only have one loss, this is going to be a huge game. But I do think, again, just like uh, Ohio State-Michigan, this is that rivalry that you just want to watch every single year. The world's largest cocktail party, even though they don't call it that anymore. Obviously, they dropped that last year. Uh, it's still that in my heart. So from there, you can go to Alabama at Texas A&M coming in at number seven. Kelly Mond is going to be his second year in Jimbo's offense. Jimbo Fisher always uh, seems to have a way to play Bama close. I think that this Texas A&M team is going to be a lot better than last year's team. Now, here's the catch to that. I don't think that their record, you know, their record might not reflect that, that they're better than last year. Because listen to this schedule. This schedule is absolutely brutal. They play Texas State. Sure, it's a gimme. Then they travel to Clemson. Then after they play Lamar, they go and host Auburn. 
Then after they play Arkansas, they host Alabama. And then later down the schedule, at the to end the season, back-to-back weeks to end the year, at Georgia, at LSU, which both those teams late in the year are going to be fighting to get to Atlanta, to get to the SEC championship game. So you're not going to sneak up on any of them, and you don't host either of them in back-to-back weeks. You've got to travel to two of the hostilest, most hostile environments in the SEC, in college football. Probably going to be a night, a night game for both those teams. So LSU at night, hard to do. So I, I think that the record, you could easily be looking at four losses, not to mention if you slip up, which these are college kids playing this game. Uh, it's bound to happen. Someone's going to slip up. Someone's going to lose a game that they shouldn't lose. And in the SEC, it's a lot easier to do. You could lose to South Carolina. You could lose to Mississippi State. You could lose to Arkansas. You could lose to Mississippi State. Now, I wouldn't predict that. I would predict Auburn to take care of everyone on this roster, everyone on the schedule to take care of them besides Clemson, Bama, Georgia, LSU. So they should be 8-4, and four, but they could slip up. But again, this is the biggest game on their schedule because they go to Clemson, they go to Georgia, they go to LSU. This is the biggest game in College Station. You get Alabama as soon as the calendar turns to October, you get Bama. And actually, that game might be following a bye week, if I'm not mistaken. So anyway, your fans are going to be absolutely insane because to that point, they've only been able to play um, Lamar and you know teams like that. And yes, it does follow a bye week. So again, that's another positive. The negative is both those teams actually have a bye week the week before. So that kind of neutralizes that. But anyway, this game's going to be really good. That's why it comes in at number seven. Uh, for Bama... You already know. I mean, Bama's one of the best teams in the country. Uh, if, if they're not the best team, they're the second best team. But again, they in the past, they've slipped up uh, against Texas A&M. Of course, that was the magical Johnny Manziel years. But Kelly Mond, uh, Mond in this uh, Jim, uh, Jimbo Fisher system, going to be really good. Going to take that next step, I think. Obviously, we don't know, but I think that that's going to happen. Number six, Ohio State at Nebraska. Now, I have this game on there because all offseason, we've been hearing about Nebraska. We've been hearing about how on that side of the Big Ten, they are bound to go to Indianapolis. They're back. Nebraska is back. This game is in Lincoln. So, it's going to be rocking. If you don't think that this game is going to be insane for them, because I believe that Nebraska fans have bonded to the hype. They're number 24 right now, but that's not indicative of, of how they're going to place in the Big 12, in the Big 10, excuse me, because I think that they're going to win this division in the Big 10 that they're in, just like a lot of other analysts do. So to this point in their, in their schedule, which is, again, a very important detail when you're getting to uh, factor in the top 10 games if you're not going to just pick 10 Week 1 games. South Alabama win... At, Carl- at Colorado, win. Northern Iowa, excuse me, Northern Illinois and Illinois, win-win. September 28th, versus Ohio State, hosting them in Lincoln, Nebraska, in one of the hardest places to play in college football. It's going to be really fun. They're probably going to wear those cool new uniforms that they just unveiled, although I think that that might be a road uniform, but they were really awesome. So again, it's time to put up or shut up for Nebraska. We've seen teams get hyped up before in talking season. Tennessee is one of them. 
that used to always, during Butch Jones' era, used to always get hyped up at SEC Media Days and leading up to the season. This is your dark horse for the SEC East. This is the team that's going to uh, win the SEC East. This is the, team that, this is the team that's going to take the next step. This is the team that's going to be in Atlanta and try to challenge Alabama. It never happened. They haven't been to Atlanta yet. However, the Big Ten West is not exactly the SEC East. I mean, they've got to top Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Northwestern, Purdue, and Wisconsin. They're going to be able to do that. Uh, but again, this is probably going to be the biggest Nebraska football game in years. I'm sure that there are Nebraska fans listening to this. Tweet me, at Ryland underscore style. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. When was the last time Nebraska played this big of a football game? Was it in the Big 12? Because I'm struggling to think of a non-Big 12 game in which Nebraska played a, a, a bigger opponent uh, in the sense of could beat them. In the sen- you know, Obviously, they play Ohio State since then because they're in the Big 10. Big 12. <laughs> Big 10. So what I'm saying is I think this is the biggest game in Lincoln in quite some time. Uh, and I'm sure that that's pretty factual. But again, if you're a, a Nebraska fan, let me know. Number five, A&M at Clemson. I think that, again, we've already talked about A&M. Clemson is not going to be tested that much this year. Their two biggest games this year are going to be this A&M game, which, again, I think a and is going to be a very good team. I think that they just play a brutal schedule, a, a brutal schedule. So what I think of this team is that they're going to go to Clemson, put up a fight, and lose. That's A&M. But for Clemson, they play two tough games all year, so they've got to take this very seriously. They play A&M in Week 2, you know, hosting A&M, and then they play Syracuse. And I know that traditionally Syracuse is not a name in which you would think is a big game, but they are a very good football team this year. A very good football team this year. Here's something I want to talk about with Clemson while we're on the subject. In the first three weeks of the year, they play Georgia Tech, A&M and Syracuse. So they play their two toughest opponents weeks two and three. Beyond that, I think that they beat everyone on the schedule. In terms of talent, they beat everyone on the schedule by at least 30 points. In terms of just raw talent, if they played up to their potential. So from September 21st through November 30th, they don't play a single opponent who I think has a chance to beat them if they show up, if they just show up to the game. Now, here's the concerning part for Clemson. You could get bored. You could get a game where you're just sleepwalking and get upset. They've done it before. They've been upset by Pitt. They've struggled with North Carolina State. Now they go to North Carolina State at the middle of November. It's happened before. So I'm interested to see how that shakes out. I really am. Uh, but again, A&M and Clemson is going to be a really good game to watch. If you can make time for it in week two, do so. Number four, Georgia versus Notre Dame in Athens. What else is there to say? I mean, Georgia's going to be an elite team. I think that they're going to have a great season. Notre Dame is Notre Dame. They, are going, they lost a few pieces last year, but they're going to return with a very good team. They're back in the sense of every year they're going to be competitive. Every year they're going to have a very good team. And this is going to be very, very fun. I think that this is week, what is it, three? Or is it week two uh, that they play? So I think that, you know, if you tune into this game, you won't be disappointed. 
on this game, I'm very interested to see how Jake Fromm does and this Georgia offensive line does against Notre Dame's front seven and Notre Dame's uh, uh, edge rushers. Very, very interested to see how that shakes out. So moving on to number three, Auburn versus Oregon. Now this is week one, so you don't got to wait that long to watch this game. This game is going to be, whoa, excuse me, sorry about that. Let's go back to the Georgia game. They don't play Notre Dame until the 21st of September, which is a long time. That's week four. Usually you're out of conference games, you know, your big out of conference games is week one or week two. So anyway, going back to Auburn, Oregon. This game is in Dallas, so it's a neutral site game. Auburn starting a true freshman next Saturday in Bo Nix. Auburn's should be good, but again, they're another team in the SEC that gets hyped up every year and something happens where they stumble and lose games that they shouldn't lose. Uh, Oregon, they have, I think, the best quarterback in the country in Justin Hibbert. They have, I think, the best offensive line in the country to protect said quarterback going up against an SEC defensive line. A defensive line that they're not used to seeing. A type of defensive line that they're not used to seeing in the Pac-12. You know the stigma around the SEC. Big guys, big defensive linemen, nasty, mean, just maulers. I think Oregon has the, def- the offensive line to uh, defend that, you know, to protect their guy, to protect the best quarterback in the country. I also think Bo Nix has the moxie to win a, a, a game like this, even as a freshman. I just think he has it. Now, if you're a football fan, you know that it is not really describable. It's just it. He has it. So I'm very, very into this game. I'm very in on this game. And it's a it's a game which... You think of those those two schools having the height of their um, programs a couple years ago whenever they were playing in the national championship game and Cam Newton uh, and all those sort of things with Chip Kelly at Oregon. But this game will kick off at 6.30. At 6.30, week one, next Saturday. It'll be very fun, and there's no other good games on at that time slot. So it's really, a, it's really a standalone game in the sense of if you don't have a favorite team playing at that time, you're tuning into this game because it's going to be the best one. Number two, Oklahoma and Texas. I think that this game decides a college football playoff spot. I think that it, it could anyway, because obviously the, the Big 12 is really dumb and they play a title game for no reason. Uh, but anyway, this game in Dallas is going to be huge. It's going to really be both teams' um, first Big 12 test and really only Big 12 test. I think the Big 12 is better than people think it is. But also, I think that it's very top-heavy in the sense of OU and Texas, if they show up, again, if they don't sleepwalk, they're in no danger of losing a conference game. For OU, this is Jalen Hurts' first real test. Week one, I'll be there. They play Houston. Houston is not a terrible team. It's not an FCS-level team. It's not a cupcake team. OU is also favored by like 25 points. This shouldn't be hard. Dana Holgerson does know OU very well. The new coach at Houston, he's coming from West Virginia. Who cares? They don't have the players at Houston to test this OU offensive line, these skill position players for OU, and they shouldn't have the defense to confuse Jalen Hurts. Now, they have a very good quarterback at Houston, so that that defense for Oklahoma is, is very much in question, even with the new offensive coordinator and Alex Grinch. But OU's schedule leading up to Texas... Is Houston, which again, they're favored by 25 points. 
Vegas doesn't get these things wrong very much. Now, I put a bet on Houston plus 25. I don't think Houston's winning the game, though. So they play Houston, South Dakota, UCLA, Texas Tech, Kansas. That leads you into the Texas game. Kansas, I think they're going to be much improved. Les Miles uh, is going to have that program running in the sense of they're going to compete. David Beatty had the team just in a terrible position off the field and on the field in the sense of not just talent because it's hard to get talent to Kansas. Although Les Miles has done a great job of coming into Oklahoma and getting getting these recruits from Oklahoma uh, as he did Oklahoma State. So I think that Kansas is in the right direction, obviously, in terms of getting talent. He's had great recruiting success now. But if you watched Kansas on Saturdays, they did just asinine things on the football field called terrible plays, terrible situational football. I think that that gets fixed. So I think that just by that, going to Lawrence is an easy task in the sense of you should win. But if you don't play your best, they can capitalize. Now, of course, Beatty beat Texas, uh, but they're not going to let you off the hook anymore. They're not going to let you off the hook by, by countering your dumb moves with more dumb moves. So you've got to be able to go in there with your A game. But again, this is the only test for Oklahoma is at Texas, which again is a neutral site game, even though it's in Texas. Texas is the only test for Oklahoma. At Baylor is going to be scary. It's always hard to play in Waco. Bedlam, rivalry game, always going to be hard to play Bedlam. This is the only uh, competition of a quality of a team that's going to be in the college football playoff, which is a place OU wants to go. So again, the number two game of the entire college football season, I think, is OU Texas. Number one is Texas LSU. Week two in Austin. It is a true home game for Texas. It's not at a neutral site, which I love a lot more. It's at 6.30, week two, uh, September 7th. I, I just love this game. Again, I believe in LSU this year. I believe in that offense is not going to be a slugfest like it normally is. That defense is always going to be very good. I want to see what Texas has. I want to see what Slingin' Sam has. I want to see what Colin Johnson has. I cannot wait for this football game in a couple weeks. So that's your top 10. Again, Texas LSU, number one. OU Texas, number two. Alabama Oregon, number three. Georgia Notre Dame, number four. A&M Clemson, five. Ohio State, Nebraska, six. Alabama A&M, seven. Georgia, Florida State, and Jacksonville, eight. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, nine. And LSU, Bama. Now let's get interesting. Let's talk about some upsets real quick. Oklahoma at Baylor is my first upset. And what I I mean by first is it's going to be the most likely to happen on this list, I think. Oklahoma, whenever they had Baker Mayfield and they were at the height of this offense with Leak and Riley, went to to Baylor, who was crippled with just sanctions and just terrible things happening to their program, and almost lost the game. It's extremely hard to play in Waco. Extremely hard. I think that Oklahoma, if they're not prepared, could lose this football game. I think Baylor is no kickover either in the Big 12. And we'll talk about that later on. But I think that this could happen. Oklahoma State, Texas is number two. Again, just like Oklahoma, Texas is known for tripping up in games that they probably shouldn't. But Oklahoma State, just like Baylor is no slouch. Depending on who Gundy goes with at quarterback, they have the skill positions to be very good. 
They have one of the elite defensive backs in the country. I mean, they have a, a good enough team to upset a Texas, to upset an Oklahoma. I'm interested to watch them play all year long. Again, a lot of this depends on who uh, Gundy goes with that quarterback. He hasn't announced that just yet, uh, and we shall see. Number three, Syracuse Clemson. The reason this is three, because I think these are the two teams closest in talent level, and of course you know Syracuse does not have the athletes Clemson does. But I think these are the two teams that are most evenly matched in the terms of the spread. I think that this game is lower because Clemson is going to be on high alert for this game. It First of all, it's early in the year. Second of all, they know, Dabo knows, those players know, Syracuse is your only hurdle. You've got to go to Syracuse, sure. It's your only hurdle this year. So get over that, and it's smooth sailing from there. Again, that's early in the year. After A&M, Syracuse is your only ACC hurdle. So I think that that could happen for sure. Number three, it absolutely could happen. But I just don't know if Clemson will let, it, will let it happen. I don't know if this will be a game that Clemson sleepwalks through. I think that another upset could be, which is in on this list, is Clemson and North Carolina State. I think that they could lose to North Carolina State uh, late in the year, just going to uh, Raleigh and, and, and everything that goes into that. I believe that North Carolina State's in Raleigh. I don't know. Number four. Auburn versus Alabama, the Iron Bowl. Now, right now, uh, Auburn is a top 15 ranked team. So this might not sound like too much of an upset. But by that time, I don't even know if they'll be ranked because of just how hard their schedule is, not because they're a bad team. But you go to A&M, you go to Florida, you go to LSU, and you host Georgia. That's a lot of losses. And it could be close losses. It could be losses where you're right there, but your freshman quarterback made a mistake or two. But you're still a very good team because I think that Auburn is a very good team, not to mention that Oregon game. I don't know if I said if I read that or not, the Oregon game. Anyway, you play a lot of good teams. I think Auburn has one of the hardest schedules in the nation. So you could be unranked by that time. So it could be an upset in that sense. Talent level, though, I think that they're that they're decently comparable. I mean, obviously Alabama is head and shoulders above everyone else. So is Clemson, even OU, even Ohio state. So I want to watch this iron bowl. Like you always do. Everyone always watches the iron bowl. If you're a college football fan, you're always going to watch the iron bowl. But, um, I think that a freshman quarterback, uh, hosting Alabama, they're not going to Tallahassee. They're hosting them in Auburn. I think that a freshman quarterback could upset Bama, if Bama is not careful, it'll be a very good game. And number five, which of course is the least likely to happen, which is why it's number five, Army at Michigan. How perfect would this be if Jim Harbaugh loses the Army? I watched Army come into Norman and almost beat Oklahoma. That triple option is deadly. Uh, this team is a disciplined football team. If you get Michigan which they do early in the year in the big house, probably going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff. I don't think that they've officially announced that yet. I can double check, but probably going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff. It is Saturday, September 7th, an 11 a.m. kickoff on Fox. Army, Michigan. Give it to me. I'm probably going to put money on the, on the uh, Knights. I'm probably going to put money on Army in this game because the spread is going to be too high. 
uh, in favor of Michigan. 11 o'clock is scary. OU got them at night and still almost lost in Norman. Uh, so, again, that triple option is incredibly hard to prepare for. Incredibly hard. Uh, especially when it's not your opener. When it's your opener, you can spend a lot of fall camp working on how to defend that. They have one week to prepare. Now, luckily for them, their week one opponent is nothing special. It's middle, it's middle Tennessee. But they have one week to prepare for the option and how that goes. Obviously, they've touched on it in fall camp, of course. But again, it's hard to actually play against it. And their defense is a lot better than that OU's team defense was. It's a lot better. But Michigan is not is not um, invincible, as we saw probably a decade ago now, or maybe more. Appalachian State going to the big house and win uh, in the early afternoon. So before I give you my conference picks, let's talk about some dark horses. In the Big 12, Oklahoma State and Baylor. Talked about them in the upset portion of things. Again, Oklahoma State really depends on who they put at quarterback, but I think that they have pretty much everything else. Uh, Baylor, just a well-coached football team, uh, very well-coached, and I want to see how they do this year. I want to see if they can take that next step. Uh, the SEC, I don't think that there's many dark horses here. If A&M won, that'd be very much surprising. I don't think that they even have a chance, just, so, just because of how hard their schedule is. If Auburn did it with a freshman quarterback, ran the table after that schedule I read off to you earlier, very surprising. Don't think it's even possible. Missouri, though, which will make some people who's kept listening 40 minutes into this very happy. Missouri, I think, is your dark horse in the SEC. The SEC East is bad. They go to Georgia, which Georgia is a team that's known for slipping up in a game they shouldn't. They go to Georgia, and they host Florida. Again, Florida has an incredibly tough schedule, um, and going to Columbia is not always easy. There's a lot of factors that go into that, as everyone uh, who's listening to this and also a Missouri fan knows. Those are your two biggest games. Take care of Wyoming. Take care of West Virginia. Take care of Tennessee, which they've had no problem of doing ever since they've been in the SEC. They've, they've handled Tennessee very well. From there... You've got a depleted Kentucky team. You've got Vanderbilt, who's just terrible. And you're, you're in the promised land. Kelly Bryant, a great tight end. This is a dark horse. Obviously, it'd take a lot to happen, but that's why it's a dark horse. In the Big Ten, Nebraska. They only play Ohio State in the regular season. I think that they're going to obviously win their division. They're going to obviously be in Indianapolis. And from, <clears throat> excuse me, and from there, it's one game. From there, it's a one-game sample. And football is incredibly, incredibly stupid. We love it. We love football. It's incredibly stupid. Games can change on a dime. Seasons can change on a dime. Sometimes a quarter. Get it? You could take that either way. A quarter of football or a coin toss. Anyway, Nebraska can do this. Nebraska can win the, the Big Ten. The ACC, Syracuse. I know what you're thinking. Donovan Donovan McNabb is not walking through that door. But this Syracuse team is good. I mean, they're really good. I don't know if they can go to a New Year's Six Bowl, but they can go to that next tier for sure. 
And if they can upset Clemson, which I don't think is a laughable statement, if they can upset Clemson, again, like Nebraska, smooth sailing. They're probably going to have to match up with Clemson again, though, so you'd have to beat them twice in the uh, ACC title game because the rest of the ACC is just awful. But, again, dark horse for a reason. In the Pac-12, there's really no one besides Oregon, which is who I think is going to finish second. So they just don't have a lot of competitors in the the Pac-12. So I think the Pac-12 is a two-team race. We'll talk about who I picked right now. So let's go to conference picks, who I think is actually going to win each conference. The Big 12, Oklahoma. I've got to see it with Texas. I've got to see it. Would I be floored if Texas won the Big 12? No. That's why they weren't in the dark horse category. The second best team in the conference. I need to see them put it together for an entire season. I need to see them play consistently. I need to see their top players play consistently. What I know about Oklahoma is that they are going to score. If Jalen Hurts doesn't get the job done, it's 2019. Put the true freshman in. Put Spencer Rattler in. Clemson's done it before. Bama's done it before. Oklahoma can sure as heck do it. Put in the put in the true freshman. Auburn just just named a true freshman as their starter yesterday. Put in the true freshman if Hurts can't get it done. The number one ranked quarterback in the nation last year in terms of recruiting. Put in Spencer Rattler. This Oklahoma team is still good. They lost a big part of their offensive line, but that offensive line is still very well coached and still has one of the best, if not the best, Offensive lineman in the country in terms of who's draft eligible in Creed Humphrey. We'll talk about him in a second. This Oklahoma team is my pick for the Big 12. And uh, let's go to the SEC. Here's where we get interesting. The SEC champion. Again, this is at the end of the year, not regular season, because obviously they play a championship game. The SEC champion is Georgia. I think that Alabama is putting it number two because of their reputation. They still have an incredibly good football team. Incredibly good football team. But Georgia, I think, is the better football team. I like Jake Fromm a lot. I like DeAndre Swift a lot. The only um, thing about this is, again, it's a team where you have to see it. Because they've had this chance before to beat Bama. They haven't capitalized. So you've got to see it happen. But I just think that this is the year for Georgia. I think this is the year that they go to Atlanta and they win. From there, the the ACC, Clemson, obviously. Big Ten, I have Ohio State winning the Big Ten. I think they're a very good team. I think Justin Fields is exactly the quarterback that the Buckeyes need to get that offense going in the right direction and get that offense cooking. Dwayne Haskins wasn't bad last year, but he couldn't do everything in that playbook. He made that playbook shrink because of his limitations in the running game. Justin Fields will will not have that problem. So I think that Ohio State is going to be the Big Ten winner. From there, let's go to the Pac-12. And I have Utah winning the Pac-12. Yes, Utah. I have bought into the Utah Kool-Aid. Right now, they're ranked 14. They're ranked behind Washington and Oregon. But I still believe that they're the best football team 
in the Pac-12. I still believe that. So, it's a coin flip for sure, because again, I think Oregon's very good. I don't believe in Washington. I think Washington lost way too much to be good. I like Chicka Beeson a lot. I don't like the rest of that team. I don't believe in Washington. I could be wrong about that. Uh, But again, my conference winners are Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, and Utah. You can tell me where you agree or disagree on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Who's going to make it to the college football playoff? This is the this is the big topic around college football. Are we going to get Bama Clemson five? No, we're not. Let's run through it. Clemson number one, the number one seed, the best team in the country. Clemson number two, Georgia. Number three, Oklahoma, and number four, Ohio State. I think that the uh, committee does not put two SEC teams in, although I think Bama will only have one loss. I think that Ohio State and Oklahoma will be perfect, uh, and I think that Clemson will also be perfect. So that leaves, of course, just no room. I don't think that we'll have two SEC teams over three, you know, taking out one of the three undefeated teams. The title game, I think, is going to be Clemson versus Oklahoma, and I think the winner of that title game is going to be Clemson. My Heisman pick is Trevor Lawrence. I think there's too much hype around him for him to not get that award, and it's well-deserved. I mean, he's the best quarterback in the country. Uh, he just isn't draft eligible. So now let's get to the part where Chiefs fans who don't care about college football are going to like. Players to watch at each position. Now let's run through the quarterbacks real quick because the Chiefs are in no need of a quarterback. I have Justin Herbert from Oregon, Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama, Jake Fromm from Georgia, Sam Etlinger from Texas, and Jordan Love. I think that those are your best quarterbacks in the country. In that order. The rest of these positions might not be exactly in order of what I think, just just a, you know, who's good, who's not. Number, excuse me, number. Running back, DeAndre Swift. Running back from Georgia. I think that the Chiefs could be interested in running back. How does Derwin Thompson fare as as can he be that every down back? I don't know. I think he has size concerns. I don't think Damian Williams is a guy who you can bring back as your number one after this year. They're going to need a running back who they can depend on. I think it's going to be DeAndre Swift. It could be an option for the Chiefs. Uh, he'll probably go in the first round, though. So do you really want to spend a first round around an offensive player? And do you want to make it a running back? I don't know. But the Chiefs should be picking in the 30 to 32 range. So does it really matter if you pick running back? I don't know. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is my number two running back from Wisconsin. Uh, Travis uh, Etany from Clemson. I don't know if I said that right. He's a beast. No matter how you want to say his name, he's a beast. Uh, J.K. Dobbins. I fell in love with this kid as a freshman. Whenever he was a freshman, he's got it. I know that the numbers might not suggest it. I mean, he has really good numbers. But just when you're comparing guys, if you watch him play, he's got what it takes to play in the NFL. I truly believe that. I think that he'll come out this year, and I think that he'll do very well. Anthony McFarland from Maryland. Uh, I just like his game. I like his game. I don't think that he'll be a, a, a high pick in the sense of one, two, uh, one, two, or three. I think he'll be a kind of a day three guy. Uh, and then from there, Kennedy Brooks is my last running back I have listed from Oklahoma. Oklahoma running backs are interesting. I think that he's going to fall because he's from Oklahoma. 
You see Samaj P. Ryan not work out too well. Joel Mixon has worked out, um, but of course he fell due to his off-the-field issues. Um, I think that they're interesting. Uh, Rodney Anderson got hurt, so he fell. And who knows if he can be productive. I wonder if the NFL is going to start punishing guys coming from out of Oklahoma at the running back spot. But Kennedy Brooks is very good. And I think that he can be a very good NFL running back, especially another value play like Kareem Hunt, like Alvin Kamara, who goes in the third round, who goes in the fourth round, who goes in the fifth round, and provides you a bell cow back who can just do it all. The, the wide receiver group is going to be interesting. And if the Chiefs get any of these guys on this list, I will be ecstatic. And I know what you're thinking. They have Terry Kill. They have Michael Hardman. They have Sammy Watkins. Why would they draft a wide receiver? What if you move on from Sammy Watkins this offseason? What if you just move on from him? Uh, to save some money, you draft a wide receiver. It could happen. It could very well happen. So, number one is Jerry Judy. I think that that's pretty much consistent. Uh, can, a consensus around Cosmopol in the scouting world is that Jerry Judy from Alabama is the best wide receiver. My number two is CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma. I think CeeDee Lamb is right on the heels of Jerry Judy. I think it's a closer race than people want to believe. I think CeeDee Lamb, by the end of this year, has a chance to be wide receiver one in this class. He's extremely talented. He's extremely good. T. Higgins, love his game from Clemson. You know what you're going to get from Clemson wide receivers. They have a long track record of being extremely good in this league. So T. Higgins is a guy to watch out for. Jalen Rieger from Texas uh, Christian. Again, another guy to plays in the Big 12. Got to put up numbers. But also, if you look past the numbers, if you just watch him, very, very good football player. Passes the eye test. Taylor Wallace. I think Taylor Wallace is going to be a guy who puts up a lot of numbers at Oklahoma State. He's going to be the first option at Oklahoma State. They're going to pass the ball a lot at Oklahoma State. But I think that he'll fall due to the fact of him being in the Big 12. That's a knock on you. They don't play defense, so your numbers are inflated. Who knows who Gundy's going to start? What if he picks the wrong guy? That's going to be a knock on him if, if, the, if the quarterback can't play very well and get him the football. And then the fact that Oklahoma wide receivers, Oklahoma State wide receivers, some, most of the time don't work out. Justin Blackman is a guy who didn't work out. Uh, you know, James Washington hasn't worked out so far. He had a good preseason game against the Chiefs. I liked what I saw so far, and throughout his rookie year, he didn't look right. He didn't look as he, as he looked at Oklahoma State. So I wonder if, again, that narrative is going to start hurting future uh, Cowboys coming out of Oklahoma State. But I think that he's, he's a very good receiver. I think that, that shouldn't happen. But I think, again, he's a guy who you can pick up round two, round three, maybe even round four. Colin Johnson from Texas. He has to show consistency, but if he can do that, he can leap up this board. He can leap to that to that four spot. I think your top three is, is in concrete. Judy, Lamb, Higgins. I think those are your top three now and will be at the end of the year and will be come April, whenever the draft is. But Johnson could leap into that top four if he can show consistency. That's been his biggest issue to me is not being consistent with his play. Now, for some of his career, they've been not consistent with who they're going to put at quarterback. But now they have Sam. He's going to be the guy all season long, barring injury. This is the year. This is the put-up-or-shut-up year for Colin Johnson. I think he'll put up numbers. I think he really will. And then my last one is Rico Bussey, the wide receiver from North Texas. Uh, he actually went to my high school, so I watched him play in high school. He's, he's a really good athlete, and he's one of the best wide receivers in the country. 
I think he has a chance to win the best wide receiver award in the national uh, in the National Football League. No, in the NCAA, uh, and be a guy who you can get in the fifth round, probably in the fourth round, maybe uh, just due to the fact that he went to North Texas. He has a very good quarterback throwing him the football. Mason Fine, a very good quarterback. That's going to help him a lot as as a wide receiver. You need that good quarterback, especially at a school like that. I think that Rico Bussey is going to put up huge numbers and be a guy who is going to be a steal in the next draft because I don't think he'll go round one or two or three. I think he'll be that value play, and teams are going to be kicking themselves for not drafting him. Uh, And so that wide receiver class, I mean, that's barely scratching the surface of it, and it's really, really good. It's really good. The tight end spot is not so good. I mean, I only found two tight ends who I would want the Chiefs to take. If the Chiefs are going to fill that tight end two role, if Blake Bell doesn't work out this year, uh, if Yeller doesn't work out this year, and they want to get a tight end, I want Grant Calcaterra from Oklahoma and Albert O from Missouri. And I'm not going to try to say his last name at all. And luckily for me, this is a Chiefs podcast. So likely, if you're still listening, you're a college football fan and you like Kansas, Missouri, the Big 12, uh, the SEC, something like that where you know this guy, Albert O. Look him up if you don't know. Albert O, a tight end from Missouri. He is extremely good. I can try to give you a pronunciation. It's going to be Oak. Okawambo, Okawamnamon, whatever. He's very good, though. He's by tight end, two behind Grant Calcaterra from Oklahoma. That's the list, though. If you're not drafting one of those two guys, I don't think you should draft a tight end as of right now. Now, again, in September and October and November, that's where guys can step up and, and show out in their junior year and their senior year and get attention. But I think those are the two guys right now. Moving over to the offensive line, which, again, if you want to move on from Eric Fisher after this year, you can get out of that contract and not pay him $12 million next year. You might want offensive linemen. I think the best one is Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. Uh, they're going to have him play center this year with the Sooners, I think. And, uh, you know, could be a could be a nice pickup for uh, the Kansas State Chiefs. He's shown an ability throughout his career to be able to shift around that offensive line, especially the interior. I like what I see from Creed Humphrey. I think he's the best, most talented offensive lineman uh, in college football. Uh, Andrew Thomas, Georgia tackle. He's going to be battle-tested. I mean, again, he plays in the SEC. He's also going to play Notre Dame. He's also probably going to play in the college football playoff. So that's a lot of instances where you're going to get to see reps from him against elite talent. So from there, uh, I have also the Iowa uh, tackle, uh, Tristan uh, Rufus. I don't know how to say his last name. It's spelled W-I-R-F-S. I think he's really good. I mean, I just watching a few uh, games from him, watching a few games to take from him. I think he's going to be really, really good uh, offensive lineman. I think he's going to have a, a very good draft stock. Let's move over to defense real quick. The edge, Chase Young. I think he's one of the best players in this draft from, from uh, Ohio State. I think that he's going to be a top five pick. I think that he's going to be another guy like Nick Bosa, like Joey Bosa, who can change the game, who can change your defense in the NFL. You draft him, and instantly, he's a guy who's going to be a difference maker. I really do. Uh, from there, there's Julian Okawanyo, or I don't know what I just said. The Notre Dame edge rusher, Okware, uh, Ware. That, that sounds right. Julian Okware uh, from Notre Dame. Uh, again, don't know how to say his name. I butcher his name. I'm terrible at names, but I've watched some film of him. He's explosive. I think he can get to the quarterback at the next level. I think he can get sacks at the next level, and I really like his game. 
Uh, Darrell Taylor from Tennessee is my next guy, number three. He's really fast. I mean, he's really fast. He can get to that quarterback. I don't know if that will translate to the NFL, though. I don't know if the fact that he's so uh, small can get to the NFL and, and be an edge rusher there. But I think he could actually be a middle linebacker if he needed him to in the NFL. I really do. Watching him at Tennessee his whole career, I, I think they moved him around a bit, put him at middle linebacker some, but then found out that he's a really good edge guy. If your edge guy in your system is going to drop back in coverage, but also rush the passer, and you don't really know what you're going to get from him if you're an offensive lineman, he's the, he's the guy for you. you know, Bob, Bob Sutton would do that. He'd drop guys back off the edge into coverage. Uh, obviously, he's no longer with the Chiefs, but if you have another defensive coordinator in mind like that, Darrell Taylor can be a perfect fit. I think he'll be around three guy, maybe around four, uh, but there you go. Uh, Anfereen's uh, Jennings from Alabama and Terrell Lewis from Alabama. Again, Bama, what are you going to do? Uh, just If you draft a Bama defensive lineman or a Bama front seven member, you're in good shape. You're in very good shape. Uh, so whenever you watch Bama, watch for those two edge, uh, rushers. As far as the interior defensive line, Derek Brown from Auburn and uh, Javon uh, Kinlaw from South Carolina, the two guys that really stand out to me. Uh, Neville, uh, uh, excuse me, Neville Gallimar from Oklahoma. He's a guy who I think gets a bad rap uh, or maybe overlooked is a better name because he doesn't really have a rap, but it gets overlooked because of just how bad that OU defense was last year. It was historically bad. It was awful. Everyone makes fun of them. But he's a guy who I think that you can pick up in the fifth round and be a starter in the National Football League. Now, I don't know if he can be more than just a starter. I think that he can be a serviceable starter, though, and that's a lot better than what you normally get in the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round. So I think Neville Gallimore, Gallimore right now, stock's probably about a fifth or sixth. He can improve that with Alex Grinch, and uh, if he has a better year and that team behind him has a better year, which uh, obviously on the defensive line, if you can get guys on the edge, if you can get guys next to you, who are better at rushing the passer and are better just better defenders, you're going to have less attention on you and you're going to be able to make plays. So that uh, OU defense improving would help his draft stock a lot, I think. And then lastly, Xavier Kelly from Clemson. Clemson is now in that category of Alabama, where if you draft a guy from Clemson who plays on that D-line, who plays in that front seven, you're good. You feel confident. And Xavier Kelly is no different. I love his game. I love watching him. Uh, linebackers. Uh, Dylan Moses from Bama and Isaiah Simmons from Clemson are my top two. I also have Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. I think Kenneth Murray, again, gets overlooked because of just how bad everyone else is, but he can fly around that football field. He can make great open field tackles. He can get into the backfield if he needs to. Uh, He can just do a lot of things on the football field. He's so multiversal that I think that in 2019, in 2020, he's going to be useful in the NFL on a defense. It might not cost you a first-round pick. It's not going to cost you a second-round pick, probably. Probably that third-round, fourth-round range for him, which, again, could provide great value. Troy Dye from uh, Oregon. A lot of people are high on him. I've got to see more from him. Uh, I'm not ready to put him into that upper echelon right now. But uh, just so you know, a lot of people are high on him. So you might want to watch him, especially in Week 1, against the freshman quarterback against Auburn. Uh, in terms of <clears throat> cornerback play, which is, again, huge, Huge for Kansas City Chiefs Nation, the kingdom, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Trevon Diggs from Bama is going to be one of the top cornerbacks in this draft. He's actually my top cornerback in this draft, closely followed by A.J. Green. 
AJ Green from Oklahoma State. I love what he does on the football field. I think he has a chance to be a game changer in the National Football League. I think he's a second round pick, at least. And we'll see how he performs this year. It could rise his stock. You also risk dropping your stock. But I think that he's at least a second round pick as it stands right now. He's so good. And he gets overlooked. Again, plays at Oklahoma State. No one watches Oklahoma State. Plays in the Big 12. No one believes in Big 12 defenses. The numbers don't look great as a team standpoint. So therefore, sometimes you know you, you kind of lose sight of evaluating individuals. A.J. Green is very good. He's one of the best cornerbacks. I have number two. I'm closer to putting him at two at, 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 at um, one B than straight up two. I really like AJ Green. Uh, Kristen Fulton from LSU. Again, LSU is another school. If you get an LSU secondary member, you feel good. You feel really good. And then CJ Henderson from Florida. I like CJ Henderson. I like what he brings. Um, Florida is another school where you know they have some pretty good secondary members. Although here recently they've. Uh, kind of been guys who you draft and then they end up disappointing a little bit like Tease Tabor did for Detroit. But C.J. Henderson is different. I think C.J. Henderson is a guy who can play in the NFL and be a starter for the next five, six years uh, with no concerns. Uh, safety, Brandon Jones from Texas is my number one safety. Xavier McKinley uh, from Bama and uh, Ashton Davis from California are my top three safeties. Uh, Davis, I think, is number two. I'd put it Xavier's three from Bama. But again, Bama, if you get a Bama, a Bama defender like Mika Fitzpatrick for the Dolphins, for example, if you get one of those guys, they have a good reputation. They have just a very, very good rep of being guys who you can depend on. So I think that, again, if you draft Xavier, you're obviously in no trouble because he's very good. But I think Brandon Jones and Nash and Davis are my top two. And uh, that wraps it up. It's been over an hour of talking about college football. And, uh, I apologize, I'm a little bit under the weather, as you can probably tell by my voice and the stammering and things of that nature, but we're going to get back to it uh, this week. Again, programming note, no rapid reaction this week. I'm not going to be able to do it because uh, I am busy, and of course, college football's back, but really, it's just a sense of, I'm not going to pay for Game Pass to watch a preseason game, and I don't live in the Kansas City market, so I don't get it on CBS. So, um, I won't be able to do one. Uh, Grant might be able to, but I'm not really sure about that. Uh, he said he might be able to. He'll, st- he'll still figure it out. So right now, probably not going to be one. Probably not going to be one at all for this week. Um, and also no rapid reaction next week from me because I have a football scrimmage to go to. I'm Again, we talked earlier about how I'm in the media. I broadcast high school football, and I do play-by-play for uh, a local high school here. And they've got a scrimmage I'm going to go to. Check it out. See what the team's working with before they get their season started in the next week. I also have a meeting and stuff like that. So anyway, next Thursday's out for me as well. So the last two preseason games, I'm not going to be able to cover. We'll see if Grant can step up. We don't really know yet, uh, but we'll see. Um, in the season, though, regular season, rapid reaction every single week. Every single week, for sure. Uh, again, the games are more accessible uh, in the regular season. I have Sunday ticket. I can watch every single game. It's no problem. Uh, and then just turn on the mic and start recording about what I think. So if you liked Rapid Reaction, let me know, and uh, let me know what you didn't like and liked about the show, every show, especially this one, uh, and also just uh, the podcast in general. Again, we apologize for last week's microphone issue from Grant. Uh, We hopefully get that fixed pretty soon. On this episode, I apologize for being sick and also the doorbell ringing and things of that nature that just kind of uh, derailed the show a little bit. But thank you for sticking with us. 
please, please, please subscribe, leave a review, and also follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Stiles. Is that R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S? Uh, you can tell me on there what you liked and didn't like about the show, as well as who you think is going to be the best team in college football and what games you're interested in seeing. Are you going to any college football games? Are you going to go see Les Miles in Lawrence? Are you going to go see Missouri? Are you going to go see any college football game? Like I said, I'll be at the Oklahoma-Houston game, if uh, any of you will be there as well. And uh, hopefully you'll come back next week as we talk about the Chiefs more next week. Again, slow news day for the Chiefs, slow news week for the Chiefs. And uh, next week we'll start getting into that uh, previewing mode for, for the NFL. And then the next week after that we'll get into previewing the Chiefs and just talking more heavily about the Chiefs. Uh, obviously next week, since there's no rapid reaction, we'll also talk about the preseason game. This is dress rehearsal. I'll have it recorded on the rerun of NFL Network, but again, can't watch it live because I don't have Game Pass and I'm not paying for it just to watch a preseason game. So again, a lot of content coming up. A lot of content coming up. Follow me on Twitter to get all the information uh, that you need. And from there, thank you all for listening. Uh, and I hope that you'll come back to the Aerohedonic Podcast. That's a part of the Fansided Podcasting Network. Be good and be good to one another. I'll see you guys next week. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.